We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. And we're continuing our offseason position previews with the tight ends group. We're going to chat about those guys because the Niners have some interesting uh, interesting questions to answer uh, behind George Kittle at that position. So let's get into it. Blue wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. I want every listener to know it's 5.26 p.m. Pacific time on June 30th. NBA free agency opened about two and a half hours ago and about five and a half hours ago, Kevin Durant, uh, his trade request became public via Shams Terrena. So um, Chris and I have been sitting here pre-show talking basketball and now we're going to talk about the 49ers tight ends room because we love you all. So <laughs> you're welcome. You said in the intro, like there's, there's some interesting questions to <laughs> about this there tight are. End position. There are. Are there, there? Are. are there? Yes. Yes. Okay. There what are. are they? Cause, cause I would like, I would like you to ask okay. those questions. Okay. I'm, I'm curious what they're. Great. I have my <laughs> prompts here. So this is what we do. So we go through, we've been going through it. If you've missed it, we've done a quarterback running back. And now we're doing the tight ends. Uh, the most interesting thing going on at the the most interesting players at the position, the most interesting things about that position group. Are there any position battles going on? And then is the depth good or bad at that position? That's kind of how we're diving in pre-training camp. So the most interesting thing at this position to me is what do they do about their third and possibly fourth tight end? Because they've the the 49ers have seemed like they've been trying to find that second pass catching tight end. Like they tried the Jordan Reed thing and that, you know, worked out for, I think he, was, he played seven or eight games, but he was hurt. You know, um, they went after Austin Hooper in free agency a couple of years ago before he signed with the Browns. 
Um, they just, they keep doing these things. They bring in Jordan Matthews, a converted wide receiver and keep him on the roster for basically all of last season or, or on the, on the practice squad, trying to get him reps at his new position, because I think he could really be a threat as a, as a pass catcher having, you know, come into the league as a receiver. So it looks like that's something they're aiming to do, but they've not been really successful doing it. And the leaders in snaps at tight end last year were George Kittle, obviously, Ross Dwelly, uh, excuse me, Charlie Warner overtook Ross Dwelly for the second most tight end snaps. And then Dwelly third, that third, that that second pass catching tight end was just not there. So I'm wondering, as you look down the roster uh, for this offseason, it's Kittle, Dwelly, Warner, but then they brought in uh, Troy Fumagalli. Uh, they have Tanner Hudson, Tyler Croft. Um, we mentioned Matthews. There's a handful of guys there who I don't think are going to overtake Dwelly or Warner as, as blocking tight ends, but they all have more pass catching chops than either of those guys. So the interesting thing to me will be in camp. Does anyone, whether it's Croft or Matthews or whoever, can they emerge as enough of a pass catching threat that they can actually cut into the tight end two snaps that Dwelly and Warner currently eat? Because I think this Niners, this Niners offense with a second tight end that's going to be a threat as a pass catcher would be really, really dangerous. Like we've seen that across NFL history, having two pass catching tight ends, how dangerous it can be. You get Kyle Shanahan in there. Right. Suddenly it's a dangerous offense. So I go back and forth, right? Because we spent so much time talking about, and I've said this too, that like I expect the 49ers to be one of the most run heavy teams in the NFL. And as the offseason has gone on, and I've also said I thought they would be a team that utilizes two tight ends as, as much, if not more, than any any other team in the league. But as the offseason has gone on and watching spring practices and just kind of looking at the roster and, you know, we talked a lot about Jawan Jennings, right, and, and how he could possibly emerge this year. And obviously the 49ers are going to play Kyle Juszczyk a lot. I don't know that there's going to be a whole lot of room for – you know, a fourth tight end to even like be available on game days, like be part of the active roster. And I'm kind of veering away from the idea that the 49ers are going to utilize two tight ends as much as I initially thought because they have hmm. Juwan Jennings and Kyle Juszczyk. So like to me and all, and, and you're right. Like it's all question marks really behind Kittle because I don't think Dwelly or Warner are these like established dudes that you just feel great about potentially being thrust into a starting role in case George Kittle gets hurt. Like, I think that's why they added Fumagalli. They continue to bring back Matthews, um, Tanner Hudson, somebody who's been around a little bit, like there are spots, but I just don't know, you know, I kind of think like my overarching idea here is that I I think it's going to be Kittle and then they might not utilize a second tight end all that much, even though they are going to run the ball just because of use check and Jennings. Interesting. Um, I guess. Yeah. Not to I, mean, like, I mean, we have to talk about tight ends and like, I'm not trying to belittle your point because that stuff is but like that stuff is all up in the air, but just in the grand scheme, like I just don't know when you talk about 49ers tight ends, I'm curious if like it's going to be November and we're going to forget that some of these backups are even on the roster. Sure. 
Um, no, and that's that's probably like if you told me that that's how it ended up going, like that wouldn't that wouldn't like um that wouldn't shock me. And I'm not I'm not saying like oh yeah this 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 second pass catching tight end is definitely on the roster. Like they're gonna find them. Right. But that's what's interesting to me because maybe you're right. Like maybe they are going to go less to tight end because they have Juwan Jennings, who's one of the best run blocking receivers in the league, and he is a reliable pass catcher. Uh, use check we talked about in the running backs episode, how he basically functions as a second tight end. So maybe that's just kind of how it's going to be. Um, I I when you talk about this group though, and what's interesting about it, that's what interests me. Like we know right. George Kittle is good. We know Ross Dwelly can block. We know Charlie Warner can block. That's great. But what if Jordan Matthews comes out this year and it's like, oh, Jordan Matthews is really picking up the position and is a threat as a receiver. What does the offense look like then? When they yeah. do go two tight end sets, is that a legitimate is that is that something that teams have to now game plan for? And we talk about that diversity and the 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 Shanahan scheme where different personnel groupings can look the same personnel grouping can look very different depending on the snap right, right. so that's again not predicting not saying i think that Jordan Matthews is for sure Troy Fumagalli or Tyler Croft are for sure going to emerge as this like awesome second pass catching tight end. Cause honestly, like there's just not that much, many targets to go around. Um, Cause I'm with you. I think they're going to run the hell out of the ball. And if you're getting targets for Kittle and Debo Samuel and Brandon, Ayuk and Juwan Jennings, I mean, there's just not a ton of additional passes going out. Right. But you know, if, a, if Croft, you know, pops in camp and, he winds up sticking around on the roster and can be a red zone threat and teams have to cover him when he's on the field. Like I said, now there's an added wrinkle to the Niners offense that I think makes life easier for everyone, but especially Trey Lance. Yep. And again, maybe, maybe in camp, it's just like, okay, it's going to be Warner and Dwelly behind Kittle and it's going to look how it always did. But I just, I, I feel like they're really looking for that, that other pass catcher at the position. Yeah, I, I agree. And I'm interested with all that. to see if it's on the roster. I agree with all that. So I, I think the mo like the thing that that really interests me about the 49ers tight end group is just Kittle centric. Like, is Kittle hmm. is George Kittle one going to stay healthy? Um, he missed three games last year, uh, early in the first half of the season. So it wasn't um, it wasn't nearly as bad as 2020, obviously, when when he missed all that time. But like you remember at times last year, and this not this is not to say that George Kittle was playing poorly. It was just, you know, there were there were a few games where it's like one catch, two targets, two catches, three targets, one catch, two targets, like, and then another, you know, nine catch, 12 target, two touchdown game, 181 yards against the Seahawks. And then the next week, 13 catches, 15 targets, 151 yards in the touchdown. Like is George Kittle going to look like 2018 and 2019 George Kittle again, or is he just going to be this, which isn't a bad thing, but is he going to be a guy that like, you know, once every four games 
really pops in terms of production in the passing game. While it, while there'll be other games where the Niners are just going to run the ball and George Kittle's not really going to be part of the game plan through the air. And his emphasis that week is just going to be to block. Like, I, I just wonder what the season's going to look like for George Kittle because he's still the highest paid tight end in the league. Hmm. And, right. you know, it's not a bad thing to have an elite blocking tight end. But when you look at, you know, we, we both expect Debo Samuel to come back. We expect Brandon Ayuk to, to be a, at least a candidate to make a big leap. We've talked about Jawan Jennings potentially taking another step. Like there are, there's potential for George Kittle's targets to get eaten into here. And I, that's not necessarily a problem, but as the highest paid tight end in the league, you ideally would like production along with the elite blocking and, you know, being a team captain and locker room leadership stuff. And it's not like the most important thing in the world. Like if they're winning and George Kittle isn't catching passes, that's not like a huge thing, but I just wonder like, you know, are are we going to look back at George Kittle as like a really good player who was really good for a long time? Or are we going to look at George Kittle? Like, Hey, this guy's probably a hall of famer, right? Because like based on what happened in 2018 and 2019, you would have thought, yeah, George Kittle's on this trajectory to be like a hall of fame tight end. And then the last couple of years, he's, you know, 2020 dealt with injury. And last year, it wasn't like he was unproductive. He was still, you know, second on the team with six touchdowns and he still caught 71 balls for 910 yards. So it's not like I'm trying to say he wasn't productive in the passing game, but in 14 games. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But there were there were some games, you know, against Minnesota, one catch, 13 yards. And against Houston, when Trey Lance was making his second start, one catch, 29 yards, you know, like. Against Tennessee, he had two catches on three targets for 21 yards. And there were there were a couple losses the 49ers had where George Kittle just like wouldn't get targeted. And it was like, right. you know, why why not target probably one of your top two or three offensive players in the passing game? Right. So but I think what's most interesting to me is just what kind of season does George Kittle have? And in terms of production, do we look at him as you know, the same way as we did in 2018, 2019, or is he moving on to a different stage in his career? So there's a couple different, there's a, there's a couple of things you said that I want to touch on. One, I think if he's going to have two or three quiet games and then pop for a game, I think that's fine. And I oh, think yeah, the Niners would take that, especially right. if it means 910 yards and six touchdowns, because they have enough weapons now. In 2018, it was Kittle. Like, he was the guy. Uh, in 2019, it was Kittle. Okay, Debo's a rookie. They trade for Emmanuel Sanders, but it was still Debo, or it was still Kittle. But now Debo has emerged as a legit receiving threat. I think Brandon Ayuk might still be, just as a pure receiver, the best receiver on the team. Juwan Jennings is, is on track to be, like, the best third receiver they've ever had. Um, and I think everybody's receiving production is just going to kind of take a dip a little bit this year because I don't think they're going to throw it as much as they, as they were. So I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if his, if his numbers dip, but I also think that what Trey Lance can do with his arm is going to open some things up in the passing game for Kittle. Like teams can't just hang out in the middle of the field and take that away because that's where Garoppolo is most efficient. Um, I think that'll help the thing that jumps out to me with Kittle. And, and I like from a production standpoint, I don't really worry like 
he's still really good after the catch. He's hard to tackle. Uh, I thought last year there was a a notable improvement in his in his contested catches or his ability to make contested catches. I thought that was a huge issue for him, and he was better at that last year. But the the thing that that really sticks out to me with Kittle on the negative side, and the and the reason I have a concern about him is I feel like he is one play away from being out for four or five weeks every snap. And we saw it earlier in the year. He really struggled and it turned out he was battling a, was it a knee injury? Uh, But he was like battling an injury that he suffered in week one and was trying to play through it. And then he has the torn labrum that he won't get fixed until after his career. And that's the big thing that, and I know it's football, like every player is liable to get, to get hurt on any given play, but it just feels like there's going to be, okay, he played 14, but there's going to be five or six. Let's say he plays 16 games misses one there's going to be four or five games in there where he's just not as effective as a receiver not because of any game planning but just because he's too hurt to be george kittle that we know like you said that kind of hall of fame trajectory guy i think he could still get there for sure when you're talking canton but that that's my larger concern is like when he's available is he a hundred percent Right, and or one of, as close to 100% as you can be as an NFL player. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm with you. And, and one of the things that George Kittle talks about, you know, what's, what he mentions is, like, his games where he's not targeted in the passing game, like, the Mondays are a lot easier for his body to recover after those games because he's not getting tackled and taking those hits, right? Like, it's easier. George Kittle will tell you it's easier on his body if he's not being productive in the passing game. So, like... It's interesting (laughs) because what's that balance, right? Because you need one of the two or three best pass catching tight ends in the league to be an important part of your offense, but you also need to balance like, Hey, we can't, we're probably not going to be able to target this guy 10 times a game because, you know, he hasn't played in a full season since 2018. He missed two in 2019. Uh, He missed eight in 2020 and he missed three last year. And, you know, like, he's just a guy who battles through injuries and plays through a lot of pain. And you can see it. If you watch him closely, like Mm -hmm. there'll be some plays where like you, it's very clear, even through, you know, the television, the television angle, like George Kittle is in a lot of pain. Like he's playing through something right now. And it felt like he's done that the last two years. He's always playing through something. Go back and watch week two against Philly last year. I texted you guys about this. You and you and our, our buddy, Nick Wagner our favorite cast member. I texted you guys about this. I was like, Kittle looks hurt. He gets a first down. There's a play. He gets a first down. He didn't do his first down celebration thing. He just got up and kind of like, like gingerly got up and, and lumbered back to the, to the, to the huddle. Like that's not George Kittle. That's a guy who's playing through it, playing through pain, which like shout out to him. It's incredible that he's as productive as he is dealing with the injuries he's dealing with. But I, I, I agree with you when it when you talk about interesting things this year. It's like, is he going to go for nine hundred and six touchdowns again? Because I think the Niners take that. That means oh, Lance is playing well, and it, it probably means their passing game is humming. But how does that look? Because he had those like the that stretch of games this year. Smart guy just closed out his game log, uh, but he had this stretch. <laughs> Yeah, this stretch again. I do that more than anybody on the planet. I go to click a tab and click the X. Mm-hmm. Um, the the stretch. So he got hurt 
um, in that game against Seattle was the last one he played before missing three against Arizona, Indianapolis, and then Chicago. Uh, he comes back against Arizona, goes six for 101 with a touchdown, then five for 50 and a touchdown. And then he had those back-to-back games at Seattle and Cincy where he went nine for 181 and two touchdowns, 13 for 151 and one touchdown. It was like he had these, he got to 900 yards, but there were like those, like you said, like those, those couple down games and then he pops for a game or two. Well, and then it's he, like it, the next week against Atlanta, he had six for 93. So there were right. really three straight games. Right. But then he goes two for 21, one for 29, five for 10. Right. And five then in the playoffs, one for 18, one for 18, four for 63, for two for 27 and a touchdown. Yeah. So I'm, if he goes, if the Niners, if you tell the Niners, hey, you can get 900 yards and six touchdowns from George Kittle, I think it's going to look a lot different than it looked last year. And so that's what I'm interested to see is, Maybe he's not going for 150 or 200 yards, but maybe he's just kind of consistently, hey, you know, you're getting five and 50 from George Kittle every game. What's that? Eight, five. That's 850 yards because 50 yards a game. So, yeah, you're going five and 50 for Kittle every game. Yeah. Hey, you're, you're taking that with, with six touchdowns. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I just wonder, so like zooming out, I think part of that conversation is about like, all right, 2019, they go to the Super Bowl. George Kittle was a complete monster. He had the the fourth down play in New Orleans, which was like really the play of the regular season, right? Just an iconic 49ers moment. Right. And like, so George Kittle was sort of the guy you think about from that 49ers offense that went to the Super Bowl. The team that went to the NFC Championship game last year, that guy was Debo Samuel. So who's mm-hmm. it going to be this year? Like, is it going to be one of those guys? Is it maybe going to be Brandon Ayuk? Like, are one of those guys, you know, Kittle's the only guy really from a production standpoint uh, since Kyle Shanahan's been here that has produced like crazy multiple seasons from a pass catching perspective. Mm -hmm. Right. Like it's been kind of like, right. He's their most consistent player over Shanahan's tenure. Right. It's been kind of whack-a-mole when it comes to like, all right, who's like their best offensive guy going to be. Kittle's the only guy who's done it two straight seasons. So like, right. You know, it's not a guarantee that Debo is that guy again. We've seen, we saw what happened in 2020 with Debo. Right. And we, you know, Mm -hmm. we don't even know necessarily for certain that he's going to be on the team because the contract, isn't done yet. We think it's going to get done eventually, but it's not done yet. So that like just zooming out outside of the tight end, like big picture 49er stuff. Like if they're contending again, who's that guy going to be, or is it just going to be Trey Lance? Mm -hmm. Like the 49ers would be thrilled if it was that guy too. Like if you think if if the most productive guy in your offense or the guy you think about when you think about that offense is your quarterback, you're generally in a pretty good spot. And that hasn't been the spot the 49ers have been in, which is, put the onus on Kittle and Debo to be so successful. The thing, and I want to, I want to zoom back in on Kittle for a second. <laughs> he's played six postseason games. If you just look this up, let me know, but he's played six postseason games. How many catches does he have in the postseason? In six games? Yeah. 25? 15. Yeah. You'd like more. And I think that, I think that speaks to, yeah, he went, in 2019, he was three for 16, one for 19, four for 36 in the Super Bowl. And then last year, one for 18, four for 63, two for 27 and a touchdown uh, in the NFC title, in the NFC title game. He probably should so, have had like five for 70 in that Super Bowl, at least. He 
he also uh he also probably should have had like an 80 yard touchdown on the opening drive against against the rams right if the throw over the middle doesn't get airmailed but didn't he drop one against the packers too uh yes yes he definitely did garoppolo drilled him like couldn't have handed it to him better and he dropped it um so yeah so i think like i said zooming back in on kittle the the thing i'm interested to see is because teams would he would do this all the time remember that game against the broncos he had 210 yards in the first half and then none in the second half Mm -hmm. that was a trend you'd have these big first halves and then like really quiet second halves because i think teams would be like we're taking this guy out of the game Right. Game planning for number 85, he's not going to beat us. And I think part of the reason that that they were able to do that is A, because there weren't a ton of threats around him, but B, because the passing game was so limited in terms of the throws that Jimmy Garoppolo could consistently make. Mm-hmm. And I'm fascinated to see this year whether that continues or does the emergence of Samuel and Ayuk and Jennings with Lance able to throw to more spots on the field. Does that open things up for him? And all of a sudden we're at the end of the year and Kittle has 1200 yards again. Yeah. And it's like, man, you just can't, it's, he's a, he's an impossible cover one-on-one for just about anybody in the league. Yeah. And you know, I mean, you would assume that the 49ers are going to be able to get Kittle open in space if they're able to run the ball and then, you know, utilize play action off of that. Like that's, that's always been sort of, I think you look at a lot of Kittle's biggest plays. A lot of them have come on play action. Um, and so, yeah, can Trey Lance utilize his big arm? I would think the chances are better with him doing it than, than Jimmy Garoppolo. So. Okay. So I got on tight ends. Same. Any position battles? At, uh, I think, I think there's, so I think there's going to be a legit, I don't know if anybody's going to overtake Warner. I think Warner wound up being really good last year, uh, from a blocking standpoint. Good in his role. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I think he's going to be the second tight end. You mentioned it. Are they going to keep three or four? That'll be interesting to see. And those, and of those three or four, like can, can, a guy like Jordan Matthews or Tyler Croft become enough of a pass catcher to stick around on the roster. That's, that's going to be, that's, I think when you talk position battles there, like, cause obviously it's not for the starting job and I don't, I don't know how much TE two battle there will be, but. Right. Like the thing for me, like if you need 10 offensive linemen, which they've like typically kept eight, but you look at the roster now, like keeping 10 would make sense. Yeah. They're probably going to keep 10 defensive linemen, right? They're probably going to keep six receivers. Like if you look at, if you're going big, yeah. like six cornerbacks, if you're going big at other positions on the roster, I mean, I think that fourth tight end is probably the spot that you probably nix. Well, and, and for, for the things you mentioned earlier with use check and Juwan Jennings, like those right. guys can fill those roles. Right. So and apparently like, you can put Trent Williams in motion too. If you need to. Right. So, so I think like, if somebody like Fumugali, who, who is missing his left index finger, which is kind of an interesting story potentially, but if you have somebody like Fumugali or Hudson or Croft or Matthews on the roster, I would think that's a result of that person having like a phenomenal training camp and then being like, no, this guy really played well enough throughout August that we want to incorporate him in the offense. 
because I think looking at the roster, they have a lot of other players or a lot of other spots that just need more depth than the fourth tight end. So if they do keep four, right. I think the this, this signal to me will be, damn, that fourth guy, like actually they think is good and they might incorporate him into the offense, not just, hey, we have a fourth tight end, just have a fourth tight end. Yeah, he's not going to suit up. Right, he's um, not going to be a, a part of the active 46. Good or bad depth? I think they actually have pretty good tight end depth. I don't know how many teams are with when you talk about when you talk about the top of the roster with George Kittle. He's right, one, I mean the sigh. I feel like that was a very rude sigh. I just gave yeah, you. that was I, that felt like a hard disagree <laughs> from you. So I'm gonna no. <laughs> lay my point out. No, but when you talk about Kittle, who all like all around tight end, he's the best tight end in the league. When it when you yeah. talk about blocking and pass catching, all around tight end, yes, best all around tight end in the league. Um, and then you have Charlie Werner, who you're pretty comfortable with as a as a blocking tight end for the scheme. And then Ross Dwelly, who if you didn't have Werner, you would be comfortable with as your as your second tight end. Yeah. So when you have three guys that you're like really comfortable with, like, yeah, hey, if George Kittle's out, the offense can still function with these guys, like that's good. Yeah, that's good. I mean, hopefully for their sake, they're in a spot where like if George Kittle misses time, it doesn't kill the offense. Right. Because like if right. you know, in 2018, 2019, if Kittle was out, like the offense like was yeah, not good. productive night night. Yeah. So that's why I gave you the super rude sigh was like, was, it was more like, is the depth good? My first thought was, well, if Kittle's missing time, their tight ends kind of aren't great, but, so, you, but you think about the other positions and you're like, all right, if you can get a, if you can get by with Warner's blocking and maybe Dwelly catching a pass or two, like you probably have enough other guys at receiver um, that you could potentially make up for Kittle's absence. But that's what Kittle being hurt is the reason why I gave you the sigh. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> so sorry. Uh, I apologize. The games, that was, that the... was not, that was, that was no, it's not fine. A, a nice thing of me to do. <laughs> no, I took it. I didn't take it as rude. I thought I took it as a like, ah, I don't know. That was, that was more what I took it as, uh, which is fine. You're allowed to disagree with me. Um, the three games Kittle missed last year. The week five game at Arizona that Trey Lance started, the Niners scored 10 points in that one. Could have used him. The week seven game against Indianapolis in the downpour where they lose 30 to 18, definitely could have used him. Uh, And then they beat Chicago 33-22 and Debo Samuel, the huge game. Kittle's injury stuff was kind of an under the radar thing during that losing streak. Like we all, yes, me, me included, Yes. Like we all like blame Jimmy Garoppolo and then we're like, well, they're missing one of their two best. Right. <laughs> it was like really important in the running game also. <laughs> well, it, right. And then, and then Lance gets his first start in week five. There's the crazy rain and Drake Kirkpatrick right. in week seven. And then, uh, and then, Oh, they go to Chicago where the weather's normal and Oh, look, they put up 33 points and right. They're fine. Yeah, but we we overlooked, I think, just the few the, the 49ers viewing populace overlooked Kittle's absence during that stretch. Yeah. And if it you didn't, if lot. you're listening, if you're listening to this going, I didn't, shout out to you. Yeah. Good for you. Tweet Kyle. You did, Chris did, and I definitely did. So <laughs> people are, by the way, the people are clamoring, nigh demanding a NFC West all dudes list. Okay. Who are the dudes in the NFC West? 
So okay. I think we're going to do that next week. That's a July topic. Who are the dudes in the division? Go through all the teams and list the dudes. That's a good topic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, uh, if you're the person that I'm going to find who tweeted that at me so I can shout him out because that's a, we should get Joe fan, Joe fan on that pod. Oh, dude, that's a thousand. I'm texting him like literally when we finish this, I'm going to text him. <laughs> like, what are you doing next Tuesday? You're jumping uh, on. I can't do next Tuesday, but Thursday for sure. All right, next Monday. Yeah. Uh, July 4th, probably not. Okay, but next Thursday. Thursday yeah. Joe Fan <laughs> is going to join us and we're going to talk about the Alphas in the NFC West. Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> I like this. All right, tight ends. I'm out. Yeah. I'm done. I don't have any Go more on. tight ends. I've got nothing else to say about the tight ends. Maybe, don't ask uh, me any questions. I think Tyler Croft made a really nice one-handed catch during OTAs. That was Tanner Hudson. Tanner Hudson, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was there. I saw it. I wasn't. It was the wrong guy. <laughs> okay. Uh, subscribe, rate, review. Tell all your friends. Uh, we appreciate you all. I'll, I'll try not to sigh so much. Next time. Yeah, please. Okay. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.